This is the Connection Christian Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Hope this inspires you and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. talk some more about some money. We've been in this series for, this is the second week now, called Dominoes. We've been talking about this series for quite a while, and I'm excited that we finally get to teach it, uh, because if you were here last week or you, you saw the sermon last week, Dad said something at the end that, that was, I think, prophetic, and the Holy Spirit inspired it, and and he said that each, each domino in front of us looks like a wall, but when we push it, it becomes our foundation to walk on. And, and so we started with our spiritual lives, and now we're going to talk about finances, and, and we'll talk about physical life and, and emotional life and all these different things. And, and this whole idea of small changes brings big impact. And, and we, we don't quite understand that fully because we think that that we can do more in the short term than we actually can, and, and we think that we, we can't expect too much in the long term. But when we realize that these small changes that we make in our lives will bring a big impact over time in our lives, we will look back and see, thank you, God, that I was able to make those changes back then. Thank you that I was able to tweak just a little thing to, to get to the next level that you have me with. And so I want to... Uh, read a scripture and then I'll give you my title. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 8, it says this, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Verse 10 says this, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you will be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And this is where we're going to uh, be today, this morning, and, and what we're going to talk about. And here's my title. If you're taking notes, I, I recommend you take notes because there's going to be a lot of stuff and you're going to want to look at this later because it's going to be good because the Holy Spirit is about to speak through me and it's going to land in your hearts and it's going to be awesome. So here's my title. Sow your seed and bake your bread. Sow your seed and bake your bread. Before we get into the meat of everything, I have to tell you a story about a man who had a dream. I've been recently asking God for dreams because God speaks to us while we sleep. He speaks to us all the time. And, and so I've been asking God, can you give me some dreams? And also with that, can you help me remember them in the morning? Anybody have dreams and then they can't remember what it is when they wake up? Holy smokes. And so I've been asking, okay, thanks for this dream, but now I need you to help me remember it. And so he's been giving me some really cool dreams. But here's a story of a man who had a dream, and he had the same dream three nights in a row. And it goes like this. He, he goes to sleep, and, and he's in the threshold of God. He's standing at the doorway, and he sees God sitting on his throne. And there's angels all around him, and they're singing 
worship, and, and they're just worshiping God, and, and he's got, you know, this white robe on, and there's just, it's such a bright light, and, and all this is happening, and, and there's so much noise and worship, and the angels are everywhere, and he just thinks, this is awesome. This is where I want to be forever. This is, this is the life right now. And then all of a sudden, the worship stops, and it gets quiet, and God looks to this man, and he points to him, and he says, come here. And he's like, oh yeah, this is about to get even better. And he takes his first step in this dream, and he realizes that he's not a man, he's actually a cat. And he begins to wonder, is this a dream or is this a nightmare? (laughs) Because I'm not sure right now. But he realizes that he's a cat, and he makes his way to God, and he's just like, this is so cool, I'm with God, I'm at his throne, this is This is the best thing in the world. And so in his cat-like way, because he doesn't know anything else to do in the moment of how to show honor to God, he does what cats do, and he goes over to him, and he uh, rubs his leg. You know that annoying thing that cats do? And And so he says, God, I love you. God, I honor you. I praise you. This This is incredible. And then he looks up to God, and he sees God raise his hand, And he's like, this is going to get even better. He's about to pet me. (laughs) And so God puts his hand down and he strokes him. But he strokes him from tail to head. And cats love that. And he's like, oh, that's so uncomfortable. A second time. Oh, what is A third time he does it. And the third time he wakes up. And this man is like, what in the world was that? This was so cool. I mean, I was a cat, so it was okay. But, and, he's, and so he searches everything. I have to interpret this dream. What is God speaking to me? And so he, he Googles cats and, and fur and, and God petting and, and all this stuff. And, and he doesn't know what it means. The second night comes. He's in the, the doorway of God. Angels singing everywhere. Lights everywhere, so loud, gets quiet. God says, come. He takes his first step. He realizes he's a cat again. He goes over and, ah, God. Looks up, God reaches down. He goes pet, head to tail. Ah, that's uncomfortable. Oof, God, why are you doing that? Third time, he does it again. And when he does it the third time, he wakes up again. He's like, ah, what is happening? What is going on? I have to, and so he emails everybody that he knows, what does this dream mean? Like, not even Joseph could interpret this dream right now. And and so he's trying to figure all of this stuff out. Third night comes, same thing. Threshold of God, sees God, angels everywhere, singing, comes over there, rubs against his leg, looks up, God pets him, tail to head, ah, tail to head, ah. Third time, tail to head, but this time he stays asleep and he's still in the dream. Fourth time, tail to head, oof. Fifth time, again. Sixth time. And he's like, what is happening? I have to ask God what is going on. And so he looks up to God, and God looks back down, and he knows that he's ready for a question, and, and God wants to give him the answer. So he looks up and he goes, meow, 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 meow. And, and, and luckily, God can speak all kinds of tongues, and he looks down and he goes, meow, meow, meow. But his question was, God, why are you petting me 
tail to head. It's uncomfortable. And God looks at the cat, at this man, and he says, son, turn around. Because we can't expect God to adjust to us. We adjust to God. We can't expect the principles that God has laid out for us to adjust to the way we think they should work. We adjust to the way the principles have been laid out for us to work. Are you with me? And so it's this idea of pushing over these dominoes that, that we are making these small changes. Sometimes they're uncomfortable, but all we have to do is turn around or shift some things and make some tweaks and, and, and push these things. And this wall that's been in front of us becomes our foundation to walk to our next level, to our next experience, to our next way that God has for us. Are you following me? And so we're going to make some big changes, and today we're talking about money, and I believe that there's going to be financial breakthrough in this room. You're watching online. Today is the day that we get some breakthrough in our finances. Today is the day that we shift from what we've been doing to a way that God has for us. We shift from this worldly economy and realize that there is a kingdom economy that God has laid out for us to follow, and we get to see him work in our finances. Is anybody down for that? If the church, if kingdom believers understand this idea of kingdom economy, there's no telling the impact that we can have on the world. If we can get it in our hearts and our minds here, right here and right now, that there is a different way that we just have to shift a few things, that we just have to make priorities of different things, we can take that and impact the world in ways that we've never thought possible. And we become the head and not the tail, as it says in Deuteronomy. All we have to do is shift the way. All we have to do is turn around. And so the church must create capacity for this to happen. And that's, that's the issue here, is, is this idea of capacity. We must create capacity to do what we as believers are meant to do, which is this. Give generously. No, I can't do that. You don't, you don't understand. But you, you, I just don't. I, I could, I, I, the reason that we're able to give generously is because we've already received generously. And when we understand that, it makes this whole process so much easier. It makes this whole process worthwhile. The problem is we can easily cap our capacity and operate in this worldly economy. Let me explain some numbers to you. We'll get to some real practical stuff today. The average American worker earns somewhere around one to three million dollars over their working lifetime. That's quite a bit of money when you see it all at once. That means that there's a lot of money flowing to us and through us that we get to decide what happens with when it comes into our bank accounts or wallets or, or however you manage your money. And God says that we are to use unrighteous mammon, unrighteous money, for an, an, an eternal reward, an, an eternal um, way of living. We, we take what is unrighteous, filter it through this idea that God has for us, and, and we are able to be generous with it, and with that, we are able to change so many lives, including our own. 
The problem is somewhere about 40 to 50% of uh, Americans say that they aren't able to cover a $400 emergency when it comes without going into debt or without selling something to cover that. Now, I'm not a huge fan of statistics and all that stuff because you can look at 10 different sources and get 10 different answers of the same thing that you're looking for, plus 67% of statistics are made up 34% of the time. So, <laughs> But many Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, meaning the, the check comes, the income comes, and then it's immediately already used up. It it's already has a a bill to go to or a debt to pay or, or something. And so many people are living paycheck to paycheck and have nothing left over for giving or for saving. Fortunately for us, God has given us steps to follow to change that. God has given us steps to follow to make it possible for us to take whatever amount we make. It's, it's not so much about how much we make, but it's about what we do with what we make. You follow me? And, and we can change our capacity. We can change our level of capacity to impact the world with just $1 at a time. So wherever we are in this room right now, wherever you are watching online, we can change, we can increase our capacity to be generous, to give, to, to impact the world with just $1. And it starts today. The first thing that I want to share with you is this shift in idea of income-based thinking versus net worth thinking. Income-based thinking, what comes in is what matters most. My income is what matters most. What I can buy is what matters most. The things that I have around me, the material possessions that I have around me is what matters most. Increasing my income is the goal that matters. Now, I'm all about increasing income. I pray that all of you experience an increase in income within the next three months. The, the problem is, is if that's all that we're going after, we've missed it already. This idea of, I, I need to get more, I need to get more so that I can have more. That, that's not what it's about. So we're shifting from an income-based thinking to a net worth, net worth-based thinking. Net worth. Assets minus your debts equals your net worth. Things that, that can work for you, that can bring a profit, that can bring resource, minus the things that are sucking those things away from you, what you have left over is your net worth. Now, we could take a whole lesson and I could explain to you that your net worth does not equal your self-worth, okay? We understand that. But our net worth is just a gauge of our capacity level right now for us to impact the world. That, that's all that number is. It's an important number. But, but it, it's not as important to our spiritual lives as we think. But it is hugely important right here, right now, as we bring heaven to earth. Because it gauges our capacity to help. It gauges our capacity to give. It gauges our capacity to, to be the one that is going to uh, allow somebody to give thanksgiving to God for, for whatever it is that, that we are experiencing in that moment. So this idea of seed and bread that we just read it is is where we are, are going to start this conversation. I already read verse 10 to you of 2 Corinthians 9. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can buy the latest iPhone, so that you can have the nicest car, so that, no. 
That's how we wish we read it sometimes. So that we can be generous on every occasion. Bread. The bread is what we eat. The bread is, is our homes. The bread is the things that we live on. It's our lifestyle. It's, it's, the, it, it's, it's important. We need to have bread to eat. We need to have that. Second, or 1 Timothy 5.8 says, Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So it's, it's kind of a big deal that we take care of our walls, that we take care of the things at home, that we take care of our families with this bread. Seed, on the other hand, is what we sow. It, it gives us meaning. It increases our capacity. It, it, it allows us to do what we were created to do, which is generously give. And so we can't get those two mixed up. Bread is not suitable for sowing. If you try to put bread in the ground, it, it will rot, and that's all you will get. Seed is not sustainable for eating. And so we have to make sure that we understand is this bread or is this seed and not mix those two things up. So our responsibility is, is to decide how every dollar that comes into our wallets is going to be used. And it's our responsibility to put them in the right place and not allow the world to tell us where it should go. And so I want to make this really practical and I want to make this really easy. I love budgeting. I look at our budget every day. I'm a nerd. I understand that. Megan could care less. She says, let me know what's going on. I'll support you. And, and it works out for us. Level one, budgeting. For those of us that don't like budgeting, here's all we need to know. Living, giving, and saving. Living is the bread. The, the, our, our expenses at home, all the, that stuff. Giving and saving, that's our seed. That's a nice budget. That's an easy budget. Your budget is done. We'll, get, we'll, we'll expand that a little bit. Level two budgeting, we're going to take those three lines and we're going to make some smaller lines. Living, okay, we have health insurance, we have housing, we have education, entertainment, we have personal needs, we have taxes, we have cars, we have all of those things. Giving, we have tithes, we have offerings, we have pledges and promises, you know, all of those things that, that where you give to the church, to charities, all of that. And then savings, we have our emergency fund. Emergency fund is, is basically a bumper if something happens. It, yeah, it's kind of annoying, but it's more just inconvenient now because I have something there and I don't have to stress about what, what is going to happen. We have investments and retirements. We also have debt reduction. This, this goes into saving because when, when the debts go down, we are able to save and give this way. You see, you see how that happens. And then level three budgeting is where we take those categories and we make subcategories underneath those and get a little bit more specific of those different things. Cable bill, um, Disney Plus, you know, all these things that are necessities. Whatever. This is where most people think of budgeting and, and start at level three and then they get overwhelmed and quit. But if we go back to level one, we're going to go to living, giving, and saving. The average giving American, let me just give you some numbers, gives or lives on 95%. They give 4% and they save 1%. This is the average giving American. 
and, and so they're living on the 95%. They, they do give some. Many Americans live like this, though. They live on 101%, give zero, and then their savings is negative one. These three numbers always have to equal 100, no matter what. So what is that negative one right there? Debt, credit cards. It, you're, you're trying to bring a future blessing that God has for you into your current reality. And when you bring a future blessing into your present, it now becomes a curse. And that's where this negative one comes in. Sometimes um, people think that they, they, I don't want to get into this too much, but giving, offering, going into debt to give offer, tithe and offering. I don't think that makes too much sense because now we're, we're uh, 102, negative one, negative one. It's almost like you're sowing somebody else's seed. It's not really yours. We'll just leave that there. LGS targets, living, giving, savings targets. This is, this is what we want to pay attention to. Target one, live on 80%, give 10%, save 10%. Target two, live on 70%, give 15%, save 15%. Target three, live on 60%, save 20%, Oh, give 20%, save 20%. And we can just keep going. Right now, Megan and I are somewhere in between target one and target two. But we weren't always there. When we first got married, we knew that tithing was important for us, and, and we decided, okay, we're going to be 90%, 10%, and zero. That's where we started in our marriage. And so, first step, the smallest thing that we can do right now in our financial lives is figure out where are we right now? What target are we at right now? And we can do this in 30 seconds or less. Do you give? Nope. Okay, we'll put a zero there. Do you save? Nope. Okay, you are a 100 zero, zero. And that's perfectly okay. I believe that we all start right there. That's a good place to start. Riley got a dollar the other day. She said, I'm going to buy a toy. That's 100 zero, zero. <laughs> it's a great place to start but it's not a great place to stay and so what we need to do is look at these targets and pick a target that we want to hit because you, you've heard that saying if you aim at nothing you'll hit it every time but you're not going to be satisfied when you do that but when you pick a target and you pick a date by which you want to hit that target and you see it happen you are so fulfilled we did it. So maybe for you, in the next three months, so by August, we're going to be 99-1-0. And then maybe three months after that, we're going to be 98-2-0. And maybe you want to speed it up a little. By the end of the year, we're going to be 80-10-10. And you begin to shift things around, and you begin to pick dates that I want to get to this level by this time, and in order to do that, I need to do these small things before that. The more we're blessed, the more we're able to get this done. But there's a key in that is we also have to steward what we're blessed with. And when you begin, because I know if you're a 100-0-0, it's 
there's no way this is going to happen. This is my lifestyle. This is the way it's always been. I don't know how I'm going to change this. But when you start to give, that means you're sowing. And when you sow, you begin to reap. And when you reap, you begin to decide, am I going to sow this again? And if you do, you get to reap again. And it just builds this way. It does not make sense, but it works every time. And so it's about increasing our capacity to be able to give, to sow into things that are going to eventually reap a harvest, and then we get to decide, what are we going to do with it again? And this responsibility never goes away, but it always, I think it gets easier because we start seeing things happen and seeing things change. So here's what happens. We start talking about money. You heard that today's sermon is going to be about money, and some of you checked out. That's just the reality of it. I understand. Some of you hear, hear the word budget, and that's the second B word on your no-no vocab list. <laughs> but when we, when we start talking about money, when we start talking about putting a plan together, when we start talking about what is it that we're going to do to become a 99-1-0, to become an 80-10-10, to become a 70-15-15, when, when, we, when we put this in place, we get to this spot of, debt. And, and I've talked to people before and, and, and helped some people get a budget and, and do all this stuff. And I might ask you, how many debts do you have? All of them. Who do you owe? Everyone. How much do you owe? All of it. And we don't actually know because we don't want to look at this mess that we may have created. And, but if we're not willing to look at this mess and, and get into this process that God has for us, we'll never be able to get out. The same is true in our spiritual lives. So many people think, I've got to get my act together before I walk into the church. I've got to get my act together before I, I, I ask God for help because, oh, he's going to find out that I did this and I did this and I did this. And he's like, I came not to condemn the world, I came to save the world. And in fact, I loved the world so much. So why do we think that we have to get our act together ourselves on our own and, and not believe that he's going to come and clean us up? He's, gonna, he's not surprised by our debts. He's not surprised by our sins. He's not surprised by these things. He says, bring it to me, let me help you. All you got to do is turn around and it'll be nice. So I want to give you five stages of managing money. You've heard of the five stages of grief? This is my five stages of managing money. And I think you're going to like them. Write this down. Number one, this is what we think when we start talking about this. Money is evil. And here's the tagline. I hate money. Anybody ever said that before when you're looking at your budget and trying to figure I hate money. I'm afraid to get too close to look at what I actually have. I have debt, I have no savings, I have no retirement. I've been taught that money is evil. Anybody been there? Especially as Christians, we've been taught that money is evil and, and, and that people that have it aren't actually happy. I beg to differ. <laughs> I'd like to try it. <laughs> oh, a million dollars, that might curse you. Well, let me, let me see. <laughs> Or if you get a lot of money, then you're going to become evil. The truth is, money isn't evil. 
And we've read this verse. Let me read 1 Timothy 6, because this is where this comes from. Uh, Starting in verse 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. You know, being content doesn't mean that I don't have goals. You understand that? So there's myth number one. Verse 7, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So this means that we need to teach that money is evil when actually it's just the money, the love of money is evil. But because some people have wandered from it, we need to make sure that everybody stays away from it. We need to make sure we don't touch it, we don't get too close to it, that, that it, it, the potential of evil is there, and so we have to hide from it and let the world take care of it and let the world tell us how to use it, and, let the, and that's exactly what happened. But church, if we can get into this kingdom economy and learn these principles and start not being afraid of our finances, but actually understand that there is a way out of debt, that there is a way to live without credit, that there is a way to live in a way where we have authority over our finances and our finances don't have authority over us anymore, then we build our capacity to impact the world. Money is evil, stage one. Stage two, money is confusing. Tagline, I suck. If you're offended by that, we have Kingdom Kids. Kingdom Kids Online, all that stuff. I stink just didn't have the punch that I wanted for it. Money is confusing. I'm too far behind. What's happening here? We start to, to hear uh, about the, the opportunity to, to change our financial life. We hear the opportunity. We see the potential. We see the end goal in mind that everybody likes to preach that you can have this if you just change these small things. And, 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 and you start looking at it, but then you start thinking, well, I'm 10 years behind. I'm 20 years behind. I'm 30 years behind. There's no way that I can get, because this person's only 20 years old and they're, they're this far ahead and they have this. I wish I would have had that back then. I wish I would have known this back then. The truth is, anything worth knowing makes us wish we would have learned it sooner. Anything worth knowing makes us wish we would have learned it sooner. It doesn't matter how old you are. You know it now. Let's start putting it into practice and see what can happen. Money is confusing. And then we get to stage three because now we see the potential. We see the things that, that could happen. And, and we, we humble ourselves and say that, that yes, I, I want to figure this out. Um, number three is money is hard. And our tagline, this is hard. <laughs> because what are we doing now? We're making a budget. We're creating a plan. And we've said no to ourselves more times than we thought possible when we went to the store to try to buy something or clicked on Amazon. And we say, no, I'm sticking to my budget. I'm sticking to what it is that, that I have this laid out. And it's hard. Anybody who tries to budget that makes it look easy, like, no, it's, it's really hard. Like, I love budgeting, and I, I look at it every day, but it's still hard. And Mr. Budget tells me, no, you can't have that right now. And so you got to wait. And I say, okay, but this is hard and I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) 
And Mr. Budget says, I know, it hurts me more than it hurts you. <laughs> Stage four, we're budgeting, we're doing things. Money is fun. And our tagline, hmm, would you look at that? Because you're seeing progress happen. You're, you're seeing your budget over time take shape. It takes about three months to really figure out everything that, that is going and, and remember, oh yeah, I forgot that I had this subscription and I need to put this in the budget and, and all of these things. But over time, when you start paying yourself saving, you see your savings go up. Or you start paying yourself and you see your debts go down and you're like, oh, this is kind of cool. I, I didn't think this was be, would be possible, but I'm seeing it actually happen in front of my eyes. And you see the things start to shift, and you see your financial life start to shift, and you say, hmm, would you look at that? That little curly-haired punk was right. <laughs> One of my favorite verses in, is in Proverbs. If you read Proverbs, you don't need to read any other financial book other than the book of Proverbs in the Bible. Every guru out there steals everything from Proverbs and other places in the Bible. But Proverbs 21.5 says this, Brilliant ideas pay off and bring you prosperity, but making hasty, impatient decisions will only lead to financial loss. And so if, we, we're, like, if we're at the store and we think, i got to have that, i got to have that, and I'll deal with Mr. Budget later, and, and we do that, and then we lead into some different things. But this, this idea of hasty, impatient decisions reminded me of a story I had to take my car in for an inspection like five or six months ago. Yes, it was about a year, or a month or two overdue. Sorry, it, it happens. I forget about it. I don't think about cars. The only thing I know about cars is where's my key, put it in the ignition, and turn it on. If it works, we're good to go. If it doesn't work, I don't know what I'm going to do. But I had to get my car inspected. And, and I, I needed to get done quick, and so I took it to the place and dropped it off, and, and I thought it'll be about 30 minutes because I, 30, 45 minutes, whatever it takes, and I didn't want to sit in the store, so I went for a walk, and I went out 15 minutes, came back 15 minutes. When I came back, my car was still on the lift with no tires on it. I was like, oh, jeez, that's not what you want to see when you're just trying to get inspected because on this walk, you're thinking, please don't let anything be wrong with it. Please don't let anything be wrong with it. And, and they'll just pass it and, and it'll be good. But when I saw my car still on the lift, I'm like, oh, geez. And then they come into the lobby. And I like to hear, five more minutes, we'll get everything cleaned up. But it's like, you need to come with us. It's like going to the principal's office and, and, and your kid is in the office like, oh, what did they do? And so he brings me over to the car and I'm like, oh, this is going to be really expensive now. And he brings me over to the car. There's no tires on it. He says, your, your rotors in the back need to be replaced. And he's showing me that he's got all these things. And I'm sitting there like, oh, yeah, how, how was I even driving with these things like that? Like, I'm glad you found this. I have no clue what he's talking about. But he's trying to soften the blow for the price tag that he's about to give me. You know what I'm saying? You've been there. And so we got about 30 steps back to the, the computer where he's going to tell me, how much this thing is going to cost me. And on the way back, I was thinking, uh, I, I was listening to a podcast about a year ago, and I heard this story, and, and it was this, this um, entrepreneurial prophet guy, and, and he, 
he told the story of he was making a deal with, with a, a big company and, and his team was going to, to um, acquire them or something like that. And so they were working out the deals. And so his team travels to this place and he's the only one, the CEO guy is the only one that's allowed to be in the room with the other guy as they, you know, they write down the deals. And, but the problem was, is God told them, told him that when he goes into this meeting, he's not allowed to say a word at all. And so they're trying to find out what's the fair price, what's everything. And so the guy that, that is being acquired talks to this profit financial guy, CEO, and he says, here's my number. And the guy's not allowed to talk. And so the guy on the other side of that says, okay, okay, and raises it $25,000. The guy still doesn't talk. And so the guy's like, okay, you got me. Here's $100,000 more for this thing. And the dude didn't say a word. And so I'm thinking of this, this interaction between the CEO that's going on and, and my way back to the computer where he's about to tell me that I'm going to have to give him my left arm for my car. And, and I, I think of this and I say, I'm going to try that. <laughs> and then the worship song, Do It Again by Elevation Worship, comes in, I think I see you do it again. You know what I'm talking about? Walking around these walls. And I'm thinking, I only got 20, 20 steps left to, to get to this cashier, so we need to get to the bridge of the song. I've seen you move, you move the mountains, and I believe I'm not going to say a word and you're going to do it again. <laughs> and so he gets me to the computer and he says it's going to be something like over $800. And I just, I look at him at the computer, my car was over here, and I just go, hmm. It was so awkward. It was like, like 30 seconds or maybe 60 seconds, and I'm just looking at my car. No tires on her. And he goes, let me look at my computer again. He looks at it, he does his thing, takes off $150. But I wasn't done negotiating. <laughs> so, so I look at him, look back at my car. As awkward as this is right now, like it was 10 times more awkward. And I'm just looking. He goes, let me look at my other computer. Okay. He goes to another computer, does his thing. I'm watching him. He comes back to this computer. He gets the price just under $500. I didn't say a word. That's the kind of negotiating that I like to, to work with. I said, Here's a $20 coupon. Can I use this too? <laughs> the, the thing that makes this so crazy is it started at $800. In my mind and on my budget line for car maintenance, I thought that I had $350. That's, I, I check my budget every day, and uh, that's what I thought it was. So I was kind of bummed that we didn't get to that level. And so I pay for it and do all that stuff, and I'm kind of having an attitude because I got to pay more than, than what's on the line. Get home, look at my receipt, look at the budget, come to find out I have $550. I had more than enough to pay that bill after the negotiating that happened with the Holy Spirit there. And for me, it changed everything. 
I, I checked the numbers with the budget. I checked the numbers with the bank account. It was all right. I just had it wrong in my head. So I don't know if an angel came down and put an extra 200 in there or what happened. But I said, hmm, would you look at that? And it's amazing when we get to see these things happen and because we're putting ourselves in a place where God says, watch what I can do. You don't, God, God is so impressed with us and all we did was run one yard to score the touchdown after he ran the whole 99 yards to get us down there. And then this fifth and final stage of money managing is we realize that money is a tool. And our tagline is here, let me get that. Because we've put ourselves in a place where we are now able to raise our capacity to impact the world and be the generous givers that we are created to be. And there's nothing more exciting than being able to watch somebody experience a blessing that we were able to provide. I was reading some things and some uh, statistics and all that again, but one of the things that popped out and, and just jumped out at me as I was reading it is it said children and, and people who saw their parents give were more likely to give themselves when they had the opportunity. We have the opportunity to show our kids how to give, how to make it happen, and we're not do, we don't give to, to get the reward of, oh, thank you so much for this gift. Thank you. But we do want to show our kids, watch, we're going to leave this tip. We're going to give this gift. And we're going to sit back and hide so that they don't see us give this thing. But you're going to watch with me their reaction. And they're going to pick up on that and see that I want to get my finances in order so that I have the opportunity to do what mom and dad just did so that I can see the reaction of somebody experiencing a generous gift and maybe potentially give thanksgiving to God. Maybe potentially see God move in their lives because some random person gave them a gift. Because we were able to give consistently to a charity. Because we were able to do whatever it is. One final story. Uh, before COVID and all that, we... we did something in here and and I just felt like God was saying we need to there's some people in here who who have need and so I said if if you have need or you have a bill that you can't pay this week would you please stand and 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 some people stood and I said everybody who's sitting if you have the ability to give give and people started moving everywhere and, and the people that were receiving had their hands out and they're just weeping but one of the women that, were, that, that was able to give said, I want to be part of this and I want to give. And she's thinking, I want to give $5. She opened her wallet and it was only a 50. She's like, I don't want to give that much. But she decided that it was the Lord and, and she was supposed to give that. So she got up and went to whoever it was that she gave it to, gave him $50. That afternoon, they went over to the store to buy a piece of furniture and they had a $300 coupon for that piece of furniture, $300 off. For whatever reason, the manager of that store came out and said, I never do this. But for some reason, I feel like I'm supposed to do this. Here's another $300 off, and here's another coupon for some more money off. And she said, I don't think that would have happened if I wouldn't have been obedient with that little bit that I have 
and able to experience that more that came into my life just hours later. And that's what it's all about. For he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply the increase and increase your store of seed and enlarge your harvest. Why? So that we will be enriched in every way so that we will be generous at every occasion. That's why we put in the work to prioritize giving, saving, and then living. That's why we prioritize where every dollar goes. What, what, what happens is this bread is the seed. How can I sow this? How can I make a difference? How can I raise my capacity as a kingdom believer so that somebody may have the opportunity to give thanks to God? And so I want to pray for you, and then we're going to do communion. Heavenly Father, I pray right now that you just open the floodgates right now. God, that over the next three months, we would be able to say something like, huh, would you look at that? God, I pray for checks in the mail. God, I pray for unexpected raises. God, I pray for raises to happen based on initiating conversations with a manager or a boss. God, I pray for increase in income so that we can put it through a kingdom filter and raise capacity so that we can be what we've been called to do, which is give generously. God, thank you for giving to us first so that it's even possible for us to do this. God, we thank you and we love you for what you're doing and for the rain that you're pouring out on us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. Without you, the work we do at Connection Christian Church wouldn't be possible. If you would like to give online, please visit c3christianchurch.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, take a moment and subscribe and please share it with your friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.